I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Week 27 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn. Another week where we have further cracks in the wall or the dam, I should say, that is holding back the evidence of layers and layers and layers of corruption in the Trump administration. We had the former ambassador to the Ukraine testify to the House Intelligence Committee working on impeachment. We're going to get more testimony this week. Sunderland is coming forward, I think, on Thursday. Going to be an interesting week. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I, as citizens, have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are, as a people, not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the votes, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. Here we go again, America. More bad decisions by this president leading to more chaos, not just here, but abroad. I mean, if we look at what's happening with the Kurds right now, look, I think that this cuts in a lot of ways uh, against this president. And we're going to have to have a full hearing about what actually happened here. Why the president made such a ridiculous decision to move 50 of our brave men and women out of the way so that uh, Erdogan and the Turks can invade uh, the Kurds, basically along the Syrian border. I mean, those troops were there and they were keeping the peace and they were separating the Kurds who have been our ally in the war on terror. I mean, they have lost 11,000 people in the war on terror uh, in that part of the world, the war against ISIS. And they were primarily responsible for guarding and keeping in prison and off the battlefield several thousand ISIS fighters who are now 
presumably free to run back to ISIS and uh, get involved in that war again, maybe rebuild ISIS. It's ridiculous. It's to the point where now you have the Kurds seeking an alliance because let's face it, Turkey is trying to exterminate the Kurds. They are trying to um, enact a genocide against them. It, it's despicable what's going on here. But uh, they have now turned to Syria, Assad, and, and Putin to try to save themselves. And I think that's a devil's bargain if I've ever seen one, one that's going to lead to the ultimate end of the Kurds and uh, further weakening the United States in that part of the world. It is um, it is dumbfounding to me. And, and for once, Republicans, including Lindsey Graham and uh, Moscow Mitch, have uh, chastised the president for this action. And, you know, some people say, and I've, I've watched a lot of uh, pundits the last couple of days say, well, you know, this gives Republicans who can attack the president on impeachment, even though they are upset about the way he's been acting, gives them an opportunity to attack the president about something. I, I look at this very differently. I look at this as this now gets Republicans in the position to start attacking the president, getting them comfortable attacking the president. You know, once you say no to somebody, you can say no to them multiple times. And I know I touched on this last week because uh, this was really starting to break last week, right? So uh, well, last time I recorded this podcast, the president had just made that decision earlier in the day and uh, we hadn't seen the full effect of it. Turkey went in, you know, later that week and just started bombing and destroying uh, that part of the world. I Look, you've heard from them all, but I want to make sure that we make it very clear to them. They brought this on, right? We, I, I have been tweeting at Lindsey Graham particularly. Lindsey Graham, who was John McCain's best friend when John McCain was alive, best friend in the Senate. Lindsey Graham has enabled Donald Trump to pursue these ridiculous policies based on, I don't know, gut instinct or personal interest, frankly. We know that the president has over 100 investments. The president and his family has have over 100 investments in Turkey. The president himself on Steve Bannon's radio show in 2015, before Steve Bannon worked for Donald Trump, said, I'm conflicted in Turkey. I have uh, Trump Towers, two hotels uh, in Turkey, two, two towers. It's apartment buildings or hotels, whatever it is. Is it possible that the president of the United States sold out one of our allies because he has a business interest in Turkey? I think it's entirely possible. And I think it's entirely something that Congress, including the Republicans in the Senate who are outraged by this decision, need to get to the bottom of. In fact, I think the Republicans in the Senate should be holding hearings on this if they're really that outraged. If Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and several others, America, I mean, you know, the chorus was loud and clear from many Republicans in the Senate over the past couple of days that they are outraged by the president's decision to abandon the Turks and not sorry to abandon the Kurds. They're outraged by, well, if you're really outraged by you, you've got you could do something about it. You're a United States senator. You could hold a hearing. You could hold a hearing and you could get to the bottom of why he did it. And if there was some extra constitutional reason for him doing it, like, uh, you know, Erdogan threatened his own investments somehow, whether on that phone call he had with Erdogan that led to the president changing U.S. policy on the Kurds 
or there are other instances around the president's relations with Turkey. I think Congress should get to the bottom of it, and I think it should originate in the Senate. I think the House of Representatives has got enough to do with the various other crimes that they are investigating, particularly Ukraine and the president's holding up military aid to the Ukraine. But I'm glad to see that government officials, long-serving members of the government who are non-political, like the former ambassador to um, the Ukraine, and I'm not going to—I'm going I'm to murder her name, so I'm not going to say it. I'm glad to see that she came forward on her own and came and testified uh, to the House yesterday. And I think we're going to start seeing more of that in the coming days and weeks. You got uh, Ambassador Sunderland, who for some reason um, was dealing with Ukraine policy, even though he was the ambassador to the EU and Ukraine is not part of the EU. He's coming to testify. And I believe he's going to testify that it was Trump who insisted he say that there is no quid pro quo here. But we all know there is a quid pro quo, right? I mean, we see all these texts, texts that have been released. This is, look... To me, this is a no-brainer. I don't understand how anyone can still be defending the president on this. And I've asked uh, those of you who have seen me on Fox News the past couple of weeks, I had a very straightforward question to my friend Laura Ingram and Dan Bongino last week, and I'll probably ask it again before you see this podcast or hear this podcast or after you hear this podcast. Um, The president of the United States claims that uh, he was asking for this and holding up this aid because he believed that there was corruption going on. Okay, give me an example. Give me one example where the president of the United States has held up foreign foreign aid, this president of the United States, has held up foreign aid because of corruption for any other United States citizen or company or interest. Give me one example where the president has called on a foreign leader to investigate another American who was not his political opponent. They can't do that. You can't do that. The president can't do that. And Frank, frankly, I had a friend say to me uh, at dinner the other night, yeah, you know what? I can't think of any time this president has even cared about corruption. In fact, he, he goes out of his way when talking about certain dictators around the world that we're not the policemen. We're not their moral conscious. He talks about it with China. You know, why isn't the president call, calling out uh, human rights abuses in China or, or easily you know, the crackdown in, in Hong Kong, which is the violation of a treaty that the that the Chinese signed with the British. Why isn't the president calling that out? Because the president doesn't care, right? He doesn't really care about corruption. He doesn't really care about bad actors around the world. The president cares about one person and one person only, and that's himself. Maybe he cares about his kids too, but not as much as he cares about himself. So when, you know, you hear conservatives say, well, he's just, you know, calling out corruption. Well, if this president was a crusader against corruption, I might believe that. But he's not a crusader against corruption. He, in fact, is a walking case of corruption who needs to be checked by Congress and not just by the Democrats in Congress. So I think it's uh, very important to all that all of us continue to point that out whenever Whenever you're faced at a, uh, you know, you're at a party, a dinner party, and one of your conservative friends or you, you know, come up to you and say, well, the president's just trying to rule out, root out corruption. All right, give me an example of where the president has tried to root out corruption. Anywhere. Well, he's trying to drain the swamp. No, he's not. He says it. I mean, let's just take in case in point Ambassador Sunderland, 
who is the president's errand boy in in Europe and who's right in the middle of this uh, Ukrainian scandal. Who is he? Where did he come from? Well, he's another hotelier, just like the president, who donated a million dollars to the president's inauguration committee under four separate LLCs, untraceable LLCs. That's how this man became ambassador. Now, you know, no, there is no secret that ambassadors tend to be people who are wealthy donors to the president or the party in power. No secret whatsoever. But they, you know, they usually are not put in charge of the EU, which is an important ally. And then also dealing with Ukraine, which is a situation that is tenuous at best, that requires real professionalism. The the woman that the president forced out, the woman the president forced out was a career State Department official who is well-versed in in that that part of the world. And, And she was forced out, you know, lest I forget, because there's so much going on here. Uh, You know, last week, Rudy Giuliani, here he is again, my old pal, Rudy. um, You know, Rudy Giuliani had lunch with a couple of his associates. And those associates, one was Russian-born, one was Ukrainian-born. And those associates who were primarily responsible for having the uh, ambassador whisked away were later arrested at the airport right after they left Rudy. Fun, right? Real fun. Lots of, you know, lots of crazy things all seem connected to me too. Um, You know, let me go back to Erdogan for a second. And I know, I'm sorry, I'm all over the map. Um, But you guys know, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my stream of consciousness, something I'm not allowed to do on TV, but I'm allowed to do on my podcast. I'm allowed to do on my radio show. Um, but let me go back to Erdogan for a minute and the Turks and and their uh, attacks on the Kurds and the president's willingness to allow them to, to attack the Kurds. We also found out over the weekend that former Secretary of State Tillerson once re- rejected a request by the president to figure out a way to get this Iranian-Turkish businessman, who I guess he was a gold dealer, who was in the business of avoiding sanctions on Iran, letting people and countries and businesses do business with Iran. They, this man was arrested. He's in jail in the United States of America. The president asked Tillerson to get him out of jail. This guy was also a Giuliani client. So, I mean, it's all connected, America. There's lots of corruption going on in this presidency. There's lots of, uh, you know, and this is coming from Tillerson, okay? This is not, you know, this is, this is all coming out, right? I know that there are a lot of conservatives. They don't believe what I say. They don't believe what Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or any other progressive or Democrat says. But when you hear it from Rex Tillerson, and you're going to hear it from Rex Tillerson, Rex Tillerson told John Kelly, that the president asked him to commit a crime. Rex Tillerson, in an interview, said, sometimes the president asked me to do things and it was criminal, so we didn't do it. You know, the president just asking you to commit a crime is in and of itself a crime, if you ask me. Something that should have this man removed from office. But it all seems connected, right? This Turkish-Iranian gold dealer who was facilitating sanctions uh, evasion with the Iranians, you know, the Iran the Iran deal, which had all these sanctions on Iran still, 
that the president thinks is such a bad deal. The president was willing to go to bat for a guy who was helping the Iranians avoid those sanctions. Just think about that. In and of itself should be enough to to have every conservative in America be done with this man. Just that statement. The president of the United States was helping Iran avoid sanctions. Or not helping. Wanted to help a man who, who was helping Iran avoid sanctions get out of jail. That in and of itself, say that to every conservative you know, America, if you're listening to this uh, to this podcast and you're going to go to a Christmas party or a gathering, or Halloween's in a week, say this to them, that the president was trying to get a man out of prison who was in pres- prison for helping Iran avoid sanctions. Crazy. It's just bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. All right, I got a great show for you. I got Ellis Hennigan. Uh Ellis has not been on the podcast yet. He is a regular on my radio show. Ellis uh, was a former columnist for Newsday. He's written lots of books uh, on politics, including uh, Chris Christie's latest book. He was the ghostwriter on that. Uh, great guy. Excellent guest. You're going to love that interview, so stick around for that. Then I'm going to play, uh, play something from my radio show, and then I'll be back to wrap it up. So stick around. You're listening to The Aggressive Progressive with Chris Hahn. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, The Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Joining me now... One of my favorite guests. I haven't had him on in a while. Ellis Hennigan is a columnist and author. He's always got a book out. Uh, he's always writing something. You see him on television. You hear him on the radio. Uh, Ellis, how you doing? Good. I've kind of pulled myself away from the president, though. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I mean, he's I know, ranting. No, God. He's, it's, it's, I'd much rather talk to you than listen to him, though. That's the truth. I used to think that this was a slow-moving train wreck. It is a fast-moving no. train wreck, don't you think? <laughs> this is definitely more suited to the short attention span of the American people than the Mueller investigation. Yeah. I have to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we it's haven't talked. I mean, it, it's pretty simple, really, right? It's just not that complicated. And I hope that the Democrats keep their eye on the ball, stay focused on stuff that people can grasp, and just move ahead swiftly. We don't have a long attention span in this country. I, I agree. We don't. And I, I actually said, uh, I've been saying all night, and I've been saying this on other shows, and I've been saying it on Twitter, I don't think the Democrats should adjourn the House of Representatives until this is done. I don't care about Christmas or New Year's. Take a day off for those two things. But this is war, right? And the president isn't taking any days off from tweeting and yelling about things. Stay in town conduct hearings every single day about something else that he's done and just get it over with. Stop with this nonsense. Two-week break right after you announce impeachment was ridiculous. 
You know, that was, I, I agree with you. He, here's the thing that'll slow it down that I think they should avoid, which is long, drawn-out court fights, right? I mean, you know, of, of course, the administration's made clear that really their only defense is we're not going to answer any questions. We're not going to send anybody there. Right. We're not going to share any data with you. Right. Which is which is a, which is an odd position to take if you think you've done everything perfectly. Right. 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 I've, I've behaved perfectly well, but not. I, I'm not guilty, but you can't see what I've been doing, so forget it. You can't uh, feel all the good things I've done. But 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 so there is a, a a tendency, right? Because you believe the laws on your side. I mean, it, it, the truth can't be. That in the United States of America, a president cannot be indicted, cannot be impeached, cannot even be investigated. And essentially, that's the position that the, that the administration is yeah. taking at this point. So the tendency is to want to go to court and win that battle. But, you know, winning that battle won't be quick. Yeah. So I say grab what you can and go to business. I think that there's going to be enough people coming forward that are not under the control of the president that worked for the president, that will bring evidence of the president's crimes, that this is over for him. I I, I, I am particularly interested in, in people who are going to resign and just come forward. And there are some of them that have already done it. And, you know, the Republicans are saying, release the transcript for Volcker. Volcker resigned and he brought those, you know, those texts with him. And yep. they look pretty damning to me. They were pretty, they were pretty. Pretty strong, and listen. Every day there's something. I mean, the two Rudy cronies who arrested today yeah. don't really know all the details of that, but boy, that's titillating. The the, the former Ukraine uh, U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, who's going to testify uh, yep. like, sometime in the next couple of days, eager to hear what she has to say. A report tonight in the Washington Post is about the uh, four national security yep. needs. Uh, either on the call or close to the call, who reported uh, apparently within seconds, if not minutes. minutes. They actually reported it before the call because they knew what the right. president was planning on the call. Right. Now, now, here's an interesting character in all this. John Bolton, apparently they brought, in the, literally in the minutes after the call, they brought their alarm bells to John Bolton. Now, what level of loyalty does John Bolton have to Donald Trump at this point? I would think John Bolton has zero loyalty to Donald Trump at this point. And uh, you and I have both met John Bolton. I think you've met John Bolton. I know. I've, I've been on TV with him. I've, I've been, done business with him for I, years. I've known him for a while myself. And John Bolton, one thing I know about John Bolton is he holds a grudge. <laughs> I think he was holding, I've said this to you before, on and off the air, I think he was holding a grudge against Bill Clinton for something that happened in law school. I'm not joking. Okay. I don't know what it was. I have my suspicions, but he hated Bill Clinton for things he did in law school. He said as much to me. Okay. You know, it, I want to be clear. I'm not I'm not embracing John Bolton's view of the world. Neither am I. I think John Bolton's a, a scary I, like. I think he's a scary guy. Okay. Right. And I right. think I think his his view on war and peace is scary. I think he's he wants to go to war all the time. He's a war hawk. But uh, I don't think he's going to be much happy that the president was uh, bashing him on his way out the door. And I think that he left because he wasn't being listened to. And John Bolton, knowing the John Bolton that I know, probably didn't like not being listened to. So 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 if it's so if it's true, just 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 play this scenario with me for a second. If it's true that in the minutes after that call, a handful of national security professional foreign policy people in the White House are, are making complaints, raising alarms, saying this is clearly illegal. What are we supposed to do? They go to they go first to the to the National Security Council attorney, right, the in-house counsel, right, and then and then that 
concern is brought to Bolton instantaneously. Yeah. I mean, having him describe that scenario would be very powerful. And it's kind of hard to call him a wishy-washy liberal. I mean, the guy spent the last eight years bashing, you know, Obama to no end. Uh, he's yeah. well known and well liked among you know hardcore conservatives in this country, and he worked for the president. So, yeah, but would be great. Yeah, but that's the point. You know, whatever path you go down, there were riches. You know, I mean that's just that's just kind of one random thing that happened in the last couple of hours, right? But you know, there'll be another one two hours from now, and something else by morning. I mean, the and, stuff uh, about Rex Tillerson last night. I mean, right? It, that was great. I, I I mean, Rex Tillerson was told. To lay off an Iranian gold dealer who was facilitating black market deals to avoid Iranian sanctions? I mean, that's crazy to me. I mean, all these guys talking about how they hate the Iran. By the way, he was Turkish and Iranian. So all these ties to Erdogan and Trump businesses in Turkey. This is just a house of cards that's coming apart. Yeah, yeah. And Rudy, right? Everywhere you look, there's yeah. a dark shadow of Rudy. I, you know, you, you and I spent so many years uh, thinking about Rudy, covering Rudy, yep. talking to Rudy, dealing with him. And I have to tell you, I, you know, I mean, I was a, you know, on the street covering New York when throughout his entire mayoralty. And I never thought that this was how his life and professional career. No, ended. no. You, know, you, you might've said, Hey, the guy is ruthless. You might've said, well, he doesn't have a real, a real warm moral center. Right. But this just off the rails, wackiness and acknowledging all kind of things that are damaging to yeah. himself and his client. You never would have expected that. I, you know, if this guy would have retired after his mayoralty, you know, just went off and made speeches, they would have named a bridge in New York after this guy. Right? They would have named, I mean, granted, I know that on 9-10-2001, he probably couldn't get, get reelected or gotten yeah. elected to anything, but on 9-11, he showed real leadership, and I was yep. there, I witnessed it. And he has basically betrayed his legacy and betrayed all New Yorkers. And, yeah, it's scary sad. Yeah, I just, I don't, somebody will explain that at some point. And maybe it's a desperate craft, a, a grasp for relevance. Maybe it's just that he's, you know, getting old. I, I just, I don't know, but it, it really isn't what I would have predicted. No, I, I wouldn't have predicted it either. It, it is, it, it's sad and I don't know. I, I just don't know which way this is going to go, Ellis, but I, I have a... Well, hold sne- on, though, Chris. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Democrats can still blow this, you know. Of course. I they, mean, so don't get, don't get sanguine on me. I, I, I hear you. I think they could. And I, look, look, I think that there is virtually no way Donald Trump is going to be on the ballot in 2020. I, I, I know people like look at me like I'm crazy. Even if he doesn't get removed from office, I think there's going to be enough problems with Republicans saying, hey, buddy, time to go, that he is going to not be there. And if he is sulking about not being able to run for a second term, that's not going to be good for the Republicans, no matter what the Democrats do as far as picking a candidate. I also believe, and I want your take on this. I want your take on both of these things, obviously. That's why you're here. You're one of my favorite guests. I'm talking to Ellis Hennigan, by the way, at Hennigan on Twitter. Um, you know, I also believe that none of the top three are going to be the Democratic nominee. That's my feeling. That's, you know, the, let, let's, let's start with the second, because that's the that's a, an interesting thought, and, and I really, I'm not sure I have a clear answer for you on it. Let, let's, let's concede this much, that, that we're talking the top three, of course, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, Warren, and Joe Biden. Right. They are all, to some extent, flawed candidates. Right. 
I think I think that's you know now now does that mean I would never vote for them? No. I mean, I would. The truth is, if you want the honest truth, I would vote for anyone, any one of the twenty-seven or whatever. Yeah, I, I would vote uh, for anybody but Trump at this point. I, I just, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't I, endorse I candidates a as a rule, but I am not voting yeah. for Donald Trump. Right, right. So, so, and you, you and I are on the same page. So, so, I mean, each may have their imperfections, but none of none of them is Donald Trump. Right. But, but it is true. Biden is too old. Uh, Bernie is too crotchety, and I don't think this health stuff. Helps, yeah, I think he's too old too. I think I think Bernie's health problems hurt Biden too. Oh, that's an interesting thought, right? It's just the age. Yeah, I mean, Bernie's having a heart attack. Biden's older than Bernie. I I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how that that helps Biden. Right. I don't think it helps Warren either because Warren's not that far behind either one of them. (laughs) Right, when she's the ingenue in the group. And she's 70. I mean, we all Uh, wish we looked as good as Warren when we're 70, but she's still 70, (laughs) you know? Well, so so is age your primary argument? Is it that the two others are too far left? What is what's your what's the reason behind? You I I think it's search? partially age, and I don't want to be ageist, right? I think it's partially age. I think it's hard to say we're new and exciting when you're running a seventy-eight-year-old, right? I I you know I I just don't think that that's uh-huh. I don't two, think two two current two current senators and an ex senator. Yeah, I mean, you know, what else you got kind of thing, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. why hasn't Kamala Harris caught on? Why hasn't Cory Booker caught on? You know, what why isn't anybody else getting in this race, frankly? Cuz I just I'm not I think people I think there's still time, you know, I know this is crazy. I think there's still time for somebody else to kind of shake this race up a little bit, too. Now, do you mean do you mean someone who's not running now? Somebody who's not team? running. I'm not saying that it, it might be somebody who's running, who knows. But it's it I just I don't know. I don't feel like we are settled yet. I'm not I'm not sold on Joaquin Castro on on Julian Castro. I'm not I'm not sold on him. Uh I I don't discount Mayor Pete. I like Mayor Pete. Uh, I like mm-hmm. Kamala. I like Corey. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just something else. You know, I feel like there's something missing from this race. Mm-hmm. Give me, give me one who you think who is not anyone thinks is great, but could see, I, I think Bullock is someone who is an interesting, I don't think he's got much of a chance. Right. He's got money. He's got, but I like when I listen to him. See, I like Harris and the reason okay. I like her, and I'm not as high on her. Tell me I, I like her cause she's good with a knife. And I think we need somebody who's good with a knife in this race. I, mm-hmm. I think that that politics has gotten mean and has gotten dirty. And she's shown that she could take that knife out to your face and cut you. She did it yeah, to sure. she did it to Kavanaugh. She did it to Biden. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think she's good with it. And I think that matters. I think I want to see somebody who's going to be tough. And who's going to be able to push back and do with a smile and be effective? I mean, she look. She did it to Barr when Barr testified. She gutted Barr and left him bleeding on the floor of the Senate. But for the Republican speaking right after her, he would have he would have died. Uh, it, it's I, I've actually been a, an advocate that says you know when you know when Republicans come to the or when you know administration officials come to the Judiciary Committee, only she should question them. I believe me. I, I'm for staffers. I me don't too. Any of them ought to question them. And, and look how much better it's gone when the uh, staffers, but even even behind closed doors, yeah, have, have questioned people. 
I don't I, honestly. I don't think there's anybody in the Congress who should be allowed to question a witness. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Maybe you and I could find three or four out of the four hundred and thirty-five. Yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> in the Senate, she seems to be the only one. You know, who else was great at it? Al Franken, but you know, he's gone. So he's, he's, uh, we 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 threw him overboard. Yeah. Um, if you want to study the ruthlessness of of, of Kamala Harris, you got to go look at Willie Brown. Okay, tell me. Do you know there? Do you know there? She she was a protege, and I don't think I'm saying anything, but a, a close personal right. associate right. of w- Willie Brown, of course, the longtime legislative leader in California, a real inside player, not right. the governor, but 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 just a but decades long backroom operator right. in California, mayor of and, San Francisco at one point, mayor of San Francisco at one it, it, for, for I think maybe two terms, yeah, um, and. He was the guiding force in her early political career. Yep. And and he's just, I mean, you talk about knowing how to twist the knife. He is a man who knows how to do that. I just think it's, it's, it, it, it's just go, go read up on that. It's an, it's an interesting and nothing, I'm not suggesting there's anything untoward. No, I, you know, it doesn't but mean that she's not talented, right? I mean, everybody has a, everybody's a protege of somebody. Yeah, it's, it's just an interesting relationship. And I think probably helps to explain the part of her that that you're talking about right 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 it is interesting to me so what what do you think what are your who do you see i mean you see you say bullock but who else what else well i i, I mean of the people who are in the group right now to me the best spoken the one when he starts talking i start saying yeah that makes sense that's really well put handled has the nuances in the tone really is mayor pete yeah now i don't think you know that he's necessarily as the most attractive to a broad base of potential voters. Too young, right? I mean, in- too, you know, young. He's, he's, he's susceptible to the claim that he's never really done anything but run a city, a small, you know, city smaller than any of the boroughs, right? In New York. Um, yeah, but I, the guy, does have enormous skills. I think. It's I like, have okay, said people, on numerous occasions, if he's not the nominee, he should be the guy running the campaign, <laughs> writing the speeches. I mean, you know, I, I, and it's not only it's not only that he speaks seven languages. It's not only that he's proficient in discussing foreign policy. His tone and his nuance, and, and frankly, his place on issues is mostly kind of right to me. I mean, he's not super left, right? But he's a guy who seems to believe in something. He has a moral core. I think his ability and comfort talking about God, yeah, something that Democrats need to learn how to do. Republicans have obviously gotten a lot of mileage out of it. Most Dems aren't that comfortable with it. I think he seems to do it with natural comfort. I think the military background is interesting. The gay thing is obviously interesting. Yeah, you know, we've come a tremendous amount of, of in terms of. Nobody even cares that he's gay anymore. It's like nobody, it's like not even an issue. It's like, great. You know, I had Mike Gravel on last week, uh, the former uh-huh. senator from Alaska who's run for president a couple now, is times. Is he still running? I, I, I think he's, is he still running? He's, he's not, not running, running, but he was down on Mayor Pete. He was high on Bernie right. Sanders and, and, and believe it or not, Tulsi Gabbard, which, you know, I, I don't, I don't understand like Tulsi Gabbard. I what? think she's a whack. I yeah, she's a whack. I'm getting her on. I'm getting her on the air. She's going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks. I uh, I've been Good. reaching. Out. I've been talking to her campaign. I'm interested in her uh, uh-huh. as a guest, right? I just think I think she's an interesting person, 
and I just don't I don't see a path to victory for her. I also don't understand some of her positions. I don't understand how she goes and meets with the president of Syria on her own. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. So I, I want to yeah, ask I, her those questions and understand why she would do such a thing. And what is that saying to the world? You know, I know she's made a 180 on, on a lot of issues and, and, and that, you know, and, and that's always a problem when you're running for president. But mm-hmm. I, interesting to talk mm-hmm. to her. And it's weird that Gravel would be into her. That is, that is. Now, now we've got another debate coming up when? Some, Next some, Tuesday. Okay. And, and, and to me, and I'm eager to hear your thoughts on this, particularly as your political operative path. So my sense is that the debates so far have not helped the Democrats. It's not going to help anybody. 12, 12 people on the stage this time. Too many people. They're either too mean. They, they stumbled into all that turning Obama into the villain. Yeah. They're, they're sliced. They, they forget who the, who the real target is here. They, yep. I don't think they and it, it, to me, it's the the Democratic Party has made a mistake by turning over control of this. These are their prime public events, right? The place in which most Americans get really their first glimpses of these candidates. Turn them over to people who want to make money off of it, right? And it gotcha events, yeah. You know, finding because what makes great television is not necessarily the same thing that makes an intelligent. Opportunity uh, to get I don't, these candidates. I don't know what's going to happen at this debate. I don't understand. Like, what's Tom Steyer going to talk about? We're impeaching him now. So, what's your issue? I, I, you know, it's like <laughs> I, I don't understand this whole thing. It's going to be crazy. But what I do understand, Ellis, yep. is that you are a fantastic guest. You're always writing something. I only got about thirty seconds left with you. Things go way too quick when I'm talking to you. Where are you going to be? What do you want people to know? Where? What should they be looking for for you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, I got a couple of books coming out, so that's probably a good thing to hype. I should start hyping the I've got the Cave Boy book, which is called Against All Odds, coming out in, in uh, next month, um, and it's the inside story of that uh, cave rescue over in Thailand last year. Excellent. Uh, with you know, direct access to all the kids as well as the divers who are the geniuses who pulled that off. I can't wait to read story. that. I got to take her. So fun not to write about Trump for you. Nice. Nice. <laughs> that weird. And you and you can find everything you want to know about Hennigan at Hennigan.com and at Hennigan on Twitter. Ellis Hennigan, thank you, my man. That's Ellis. Stick around. I'll be right back. What am I, an idiot? Like, you know, like, what am I, an idiot? Like, am I an idiot if I'm a member of Congress? And I'm just going to let that. By the way, if there is a member of Congress out there that is going to allow this president just to ignore Congress, and so, you know, Congress doesn't have a right to oversee the president. Um, why are you in Congress? I mean, did you read the Constitution? The, the president put out this letter, this, you know, nine-page legal letter that was not a legal letter at all. You'd be kicked out of law school for it, saying that the president has a right to due process during this impeachment trial. And, and by the way, I agree, he does. But see, his lawyers must know, and maybe they should fill him in on this, that impeachment is like the grand jury. It's like the criminal investigation where you then come up with charges, right? Then there's a trial that happens in the Senate. And at that point in time, the president of the United States can present witnesses of his own and question people. You don't get to do that during the indictment stage. No defendant 
can go to the grand jury. The prosecutors go to the grand jury. They present their case, and the grand jury then votes to see if the if that if that uh, defendant should be indicted. Then there's an indictment that's handed down to the court. The court then, you know, a, a court case proceeds. You can, you know, then the rules of evidence apply. There is due process where due process applies. The president will have his due process. Don't pretend he doesn't. It's ridiculous. And, and, you know, and for the other hosts on these other channels that I'm on saying, oh, the Democrats, even the ones that pretend to be Democrats, because they're not Democrats, okay? They're not progressives. Uh, They are not unbiased. They are playing to a conservative audience because they think that's what you want to hear, right? And maybe you do want to hear that. Maybe that's what you want, right? You're not going to get that from me. You know that. That's why you listen to me. I tell you the truth as I see it. You might not like it, but I tell it as I see it. To say that the Democrats are going too far, I don't think they're going far enough. I think they should be, uh, look, I want this to be done quickly. And I know the president's balking, so there's never, there hasn't been a vote to open up an impeachment inquiry. You know what? Give him his vote. He's not going to comply anyway. So just do the vote on Tuesday, get it out of the way, open the impeachment inquiry with a formal vote of the House of Representatives, and let's try to get a couple of Republicans to vote for it too, because some of them are going to be in a very difficult spot. Have the vote, move it along, do it quickly. I want articles of impeachment sent to the Senate by Christmas, Thanksgiving preferred, Christmas. And I do not want this House of Representatives to take one single day off other than Christmas, New Year's, and uh, and Thanksgiving between now and then. No two-week recess to go trick-or-treating, Congressman. You're not up for election this year anyway. Stay in Washington and do your job. And your job right now is to make sure that this criminal president is checked. You got to keep him in line because this is not fun. It's not fun in games time. You know, this is like a war, right? This really is like a war. And the soldiers fighting in the war, they don't get to go home for three weeks whenever they want. You got to keep fighting. Because the enemy's not sleeping. And the president's committing more crimes. While Congress was away these last two weeks, he turned his back on our allies. He's running roughshod over the Constitution. God knows what he's doing to the documents that you said that he should request, that he should retain. God knows. You should not take another day off. Not another day off. Stay in on Saturdays and Sundays. This is not this is not fun and games anymore. I don't care that you got to go do a town hall in, in, in wherever you're from. No. Stay in town. Do the people's business. And job one of Congress, job one of Congress is to oversee the executive branch. And one other thing. I want Congress, if the president's not going to comply with Congress, uh, Congress's request for records, I want Congress to shut this president down. I want no more money for Air Force One. I want no more money for uh, any kind of travel. Keep him in the White House. Safe and secure in the White House. I don't want to remove his security, but I do not want him traveling. I do not want him running around the country on the people's dime if he's not going to be complying with the people's house. Should not happen. Should not happen at all. Not one dime for any of these extravagance. Get rid of the White House chef. Let him uh, order pizza. He likes it anyway. You know, there's a K, there's multiple KFCs and Taco Bells and Burger Kings within a two-mile radius of the White House. I've been there, I'm sure. Make sure 
that he complies. And, you know, he, he just hired a guy named Trey Gowdy, who was a congressman. And, and Trey Gowdy was very clear when he was a congressman that the White House refusing to comply with documents requests from the Congress is is unconstitutional. So what's he going to do now? What's Trey Gowdy? Gonna, every time Trey Gowdy goes on television for the president, because the president is absolutely refusing to comply with subpoenas and uh, document requests. Every time he goes on television representing the president, he'll get that clip thrown in his face. And he should. It's amazing. It is amazing to me. The depths of hypocrisy among the Republicans right now. The depths of hypocrisy. Unreal. But Democrats in Congress need to take this seriously and take no more time off. No more time off. Cancel breaks. That includes the big Christmas recess. I want that canceled. I want that canceled. No time off for Christmas. None. Take Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Half day on Christmas Eve. Okay? Half day. You got a half day. Gavel out at 2 o'clock. But stick around. Don't leave town. Have a big, you know, congressional Christmas party or something. I, I don't, I, whatever. Big congressional New Year's Eve party. You shouldn't be taking any time off. Because this guy's not taking any time off. This guy's destroying documents, ruining alliances, committing crimes, running roughshod over the Constitution every single day of the year. So for you to think that you could take a day off during that, I, I don't get that at all. Get the impeachment done. Send it to the Senate. Prosecute this guy. Then you could take a day off. Take all the time you want after that. Not before. So that's uh, a little bit from my radio show, a little different vibe, right? I mean, I'm not playing with a puppy before I come up and record my radio show. I got to go to a studio. There are people there. There's lots going on. I get callers who get me revved up. So uh, a little different. Hope you like it. Uh, coming to a market near you very soon. Right now we're on on Long Island and in Orlando, Florida. But pretty soon I'll be all over the country. All right, I'll be back to wrap it up right after this. Stick where you're at. All right, so that was, you know, you heard that rant. It was all about Congress being out of town. Well, Congress is back this week. Thank God. It's about time, right? Hopefully they get the job done, right? They'll be doing a lot of interviews of important figures in this Ukrainian scandal. And then they've got to deal with the Turkish problem and this and the Kurds and the president just turning his back on our allies. I don't know. Look, I, I, I'm interested to see what Sunderland says. I'm interested to see if I'm interested to see if like Rex Tillerson, who has been embarrassed by this president, let's let's call it what it is. He's been embarrassed by the acts of this president. Uh, I'm interested to see if Rex Tillerson comes forward this week and starts speaking out about what the president asked him to do with that Iranian gold dealer, that Turkish-Iranian gold dealer. I mean, it all comes back to Turkey and Giuliani and the president's got property there. I, I don't know what else you need to show that this man is unfit for office. I, I don't know why anyone's still with him. And, I, I you know, again, to the evangelicals out there uh, who still support him because of, you know, his, his pandering to you, frankly, you're going to get Pence. Right. And then you're going to have an opportunity to have an election. So, you know, don't tell me that this is all about, you know, God's will for, you know, anti-choice judges. Give me a break. 
You'll still get that with Mike Pence. Pretty sure you'll get him even better because uh, Mike Pence uh, not only talks it, but seems to live it. So, you know, whether right or wrong, that's what Pence does. The president just gives you lip service on religion. He doesn't even understand. Probably, I, I don't, look, I'm not even arguing with you anymore. You know who you are. You know why you're wrong. Time to get off the Trump bandwagon, all right? Absolutely time to get off that bandwagon again and go tell your friends to get off it too. If you're listening to me, you already know, right? So, all right. Time for me to remind you, as always, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, America, even me. But especially this president. Question everything he tells you. Seek the truth. I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.